Good morning. Let's get started on this week's Come Follow Me um, chapters. Alma 32 to 35. Plant this word in your heart. Plant this word. It's the word that we talked about last week, the virtue of the word of God. He's asking us to plant it. And I love Alma's analogy of the seed. And let's just review it real quick for anyone who doesn't know it, or even for those who do know it, to expand upon it. Because to me, this has changed how I address everything in life. Parenting, um, just everything I go through life, I think about the seed. What seed am I planting, right? So he talks to, he tells about the seed. And we're going to go back and tell who he's telling about the seed to and why he's telling about the seed to. But I want to get this point in there for all of those of you who listen to only a few minutes, because I think this is life-changing and altering. So he's talking about faith. And he tells us that faith is, this is um, Alma 32, 12. Faith is not to have a perfect knowledge of things. Therefore, if ye have faith, ye hope for things which are not seen, which are true. Okay, so it's not having a perfect knowledge. It's okay not to have a perfect understanding. Remember we talked about how the mysteries of God are opened unto us, how we get that knowledge. It's with patience and long-suffering through prayer, repentance, seeking the Lord's will, and, and asking questions to Him because He always will answer our questions. It just takes time, and we have to wait for that. But there's not going to be a perfect knowledge ever because not all of us are going to ask every single question there is to know, right? So we have to understand that faith is not knowing everything perfectly. But it's hoping, and I have learned the, the importance of hope through watching my son, who was, who was diagnosed with POTS um, five, maybe six years ago. And it's really been a hard struggle for him. But I remember when he finally went through a point of hopelessness, and when you see a child have hopelessness, it is absolutely devastating to a mother's heart. And, but I understood hope. All of a sudden, I connected hope and faith together. Of course, he was able to overcome that hopelessness, but it taught me how important it is for us to hope for things to come. And so let's read again in another chapter that talks about that, and it's Alma 32. And it says, Now I said concerning faith that it was not a perfect knowledge. Even so, it is with my words. You cannot know of their surety at first until perfection any more than faith is a perfect knowledge. But behold, if you will awake and arouse your faculties even to experiment upon my words, and exercise a particle of faith, yea, even if you can no more than desire to believe, let this desire work in you, even until you believe in a manner that ye can give place to a portion of my word. The Lord is willing to work with us with whatever we have to give. He's not asking for much. A particle of faith, just a desire to believe, if you will just experiment upon my words. Think about these notations. So even if you have a flourishing faith and something challenges it, something you see or you read or you hear or you think of, like Victor said, don't doubt, doubt, your, doubt your doubts before you doubt your faith. Hang in there and give yourself a time to experiment upon the word, to seek his guidance, and to have a desire for him to teach you that principle, right? And so then he teaches these people that he's teaching. We're going to talk about who they are because it's kind of an important part of the whole chapters. But he teaches these, this group of people and he tells them, he says, faith is like a seed that you plant. Now, it doesn't matter if you're a gardener or if you're like me and you don't have a green thumb and so you only grow weeds. Either way, this visual of this seed growing 
can be ignited in your brain. Because if you're a gardener, you'll understand, wow, I know. Because I don't know about you guys, you drive by those houses that have those beautiful yards and you think, I want that yard. But the truth is, if you pay attention to what that yard takes to be just flourishing with flowers and green plants and beauty, it takes so much diligence and time. And it, it, it's, it's effort. They have to put in constant effort. And if you're like me, you plant flowers and then they're overgrown with weeds. And you quickly understand the importance of that time and that effort and that growth and what those plants need to grow, right? And so you understand the power of the weeds as well. <laughs> they will overtake and kill anything else that you have. And, and they seem to grow without nourishment. <laughs> I don't know how, but, um, and so we can kind of compare that to our faith, that as we plant the seed of faith with the, our, our Heavenly Father, we experiment upon his word, we take that small desire, that particle of faith, and we plant it into the, into the ground, and then we nourish it. We take the time, the patience, the effort to read our scriptures, study, ask the Lord with diligent prayer, that over time, a, a beautiful garden of faith grows, right? And when we don't do those things, the adversary has full reign of our garden and the weeds will overtake us. But let's read his words because they're beautiful. It's Emma 32, 28. And now, will you compare the word unto a seed? Now, if we give place that a seed may be planted in your heart, behold, if it be true seed or a good seed, if you do not cast it out by your unbelief that you will resist the spirit of the Lord, behold, it will begin to swell within your hearts. And when you feel those swelling motions, you will begin to say within yourselves, it must needs be that this is a good seed or that the, that the word is good for it beginneth to enlarge my soul. Yea, it beginneth to enlighten my understanding and it beginneth to be delicious to me. I love that word delicious to me. I have to say that the gospel is delicious to me, that I have planted that seed of faith and that I have taken the time to nourish it and to grow it. And as much as I am not good outside in my garden. I have worked so hard in my garden of faith to weed it and to pluck it. And there are times when the weeds do grow and they get heavy and I have to take them out one by one and I have to get back down there on my knees and I have to put the fertilizer back on my faith. But um, it's been so worth the effort. And, because, and, the, and the reason why it's been worth the effort all along the way is because you get to see those little sprouts come up. You plant the seed and you get to see the beginning of those plants, the swelling in your heart. And those little plants end up growing into something great and the delicious fruit is born from that. And so I have such a strong testimony of this principle and I've been able to apply this principle in my life in all kinds of things because I've learned that whatever seed you plant and water and nourish and feed is going to be what grows in your heart. So if you plant discouragement, um, frustration, anger, that's gonna grow. You can grow to unending tomato plants of frustration and anger, but you can also plant unending plants of love and forgiveness and kindness. So whatever we choose to give our attention to in our lives is what's gonna grow in our garden, right? And so um, I use this principle a lot with my children when they're going through different things. I try to let them know, like, let's decide what we wanna focus on and then, um, let's grow that plant. So it, it's been such a fun principle for me. I really wanted to touch on that so people could really put that in their mind and realize I can apply this to everything in my life and that the Lord is there to help me in everything in my life and I can grow good trees and good plants. You know, when we think of faith, sometimes we only think of like one direction, just like my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, but his faith is all encompassing. The gospel is a gospel of love, of forgiveness, of kindness, of um, sharing, of all these things. And so all those are all the seeds that we can plant cucumbers and watermelon and green beans and whatever. So let's read what he says in 3241. 
But if ye will nourish the words, yea, nourish the tree as it beginneth to grow by your faith with great diligence and with patience, looking forward to the fruit thereof, it shall take root. And behold, it shall be a tree springing up into everlasting life. Can you just imagine starting with a little seed of faith and it turns into this huge, great tree of everlasting life, of hope, of faith, of courage, of strength, of mercy, of love. Amazing, and because of your diligence and your faith and your patience with the word in nourishing it, that it may take root in you. And then 43, then my brethren, ye shall reap the rewards of your faith and your diligence and your patience and your long suffering, waiting for the tree to bring forth fruit unto you. So, um, let's plant good truth, good seeds, let's plant the word of God in our hearts, and let's experiment upon the word, and let's just see what happens. And good fruit will come from it. And let's nourish it. Let's not let it, let it land on barren ground. Okay. So when you first started these chapters, we had the Zormites last week that were um, not really worshiping the way that, that they weren't involving Christ in their hearts. They were more just like going through the motions, a checklist. But the other thing they were doing is they were excluding people. So it became kind of a social status. You had to kind of fit into the crowd. It became something like, look at me, here I am. I'm standing on the tower and I'm praying. But then they'd go, to, they'd go home and they'd have pride in their hearts and they'd forget about the Lord until the next week and then they would gather again. And so these people who had built their sanctuaries who were a poor people, um, less um, fortunate in their, in like their temporal belongings or, or things, right, came to... Um, Alma to ask him, what do we do? Like, we want to worship the Lord, but we're not allowed to go into the, to the sanctuary. They won't let us in. And, um, and Alma could feel that they, they were humble through their circumstances. And so sometimes we are humble through our circumstances. And, and that's a place to be grateful, to, exp to express gratitude to the Lord for circumstances that humble us because it gives us a chance to see his hand in our lives and to turn to him. But they are, so they were coming to Alma. I need help. We want to worship the Lord and we can't go to our sanctuaries. And Alma taught them such an important lesson. And this is the secret to how do we not become Sunday only worshipers? How do we not become Sunday only Christians? That's the, that's the, that was the problem. They forgot about the Lord the rest of the week. Well, they weren't in their sanctuaries the rest of the week. They weren't standing on the tower the rest of the week. So how do we worship the Lord in other places? And these chapters nail it. They tell you spot on how you worship the Lord seven days a week, all the time. But um, I want to talk about that humility that he was talking about that brought those people to him um, and how we don't have to wait for circumstances to humble us. We can choose to be humbled and choose to be teachable and teach to be um, be able to hear and listen. So when they talk about like the bl spiritual blindness and spiritual deafness, we can choose, and we can also pray and ask Holy Father to help us if we're suffering from spiritual blindness and spiritual deafness. We can ask Holy Father to help us to um, to 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 get back on to get get back flowing, right? But here, thirty two sixteen, blessed are they who humble themselves without being compelled to be humbled, or rather, in other words, blessed is he that believeth in the word of God and is baptized without stubbornness of heart and without being brought to know the word or even compelled to know before they will believe. So, you know, we can choose, but we can also be humbled and that's okay. The humbling works. Um, I also like in 13, he says, whosoever repenteth shall find mercy and he that findeth mercy and endureth to the end shall not, shall the same shall be saved. So that, like, 
having that repentant heart is what brings some Christ's mercy into our lives. And that's that life jacket we talked about. That's that sustaining power that we have when we have Christ as a center in our lives that helps us with difficult times. And that's what helps us to endure to the end. That's what it ultimately helps us to have that eternal perspective, right? And so um, that's good. And then in 22, it says, God is merciful unto all who believe in his name. Therefore, he desireth in the first place that ye believe, yea, even on his word. So then he talks, then that's, that's where it feeds into what we talked about in the beginning, about experimenting upon the word and having that faith and taking really good care of that, that seed that you plant to nourish it. And so then we talk about, um, how, so where can, you know, how do you worship if you're not in the sanctuary? What do these people do that aren't allowed to go into these churches, right? That are shunned and, and pushed away. And he says it twice, so you can read it both times, but we're going to, 33, 3 through 10, it says it, so you can read that. But I'm going to go ahead and read 34, 17 through 27. Um, I probably won't read the whole thing because that's a lot of reading on the video, and you can just go ahead and go read that. So it's 34, 17 through 17, but we'll just touch on a few places of what he says. So he says, therefore may God grant unto you, my brethren, that ye may begin to exercise your faith unto repentance that ye began to call upon his holy name, that he would have mercy upon you. So turn to the Lord all the time. And it will tell us how often, but it's all the time, right? Cry unto him for mercy, for he, might, he is mighty to save. Cry unto him when you are in your fields, yea, over all your flocks, when you're at work. Cry unto him in your houses, yea, over all your household, both morning, midday, and evening. Pray, pray for your family when you get up all day and at night. We can pray constantly. We can worship the Lord and ask for his guidance constantly. Yet cry unto him again, the power of your enemies. Pray for people that are, are giving you a hard time or that for some reason you're having a hard time with. Pray for them. Cry unto him against the devil who is the enemy of all unrighteousness. Ask for strength. We all need it. I don't want to say the wrong person, but I think it was Heber J. Grant or Howard W. Hentel. I forget which one it was, but... That was that they said prayed even on his deathbed that he was his testimony would stay strong. He understood clearly the power of the adversary. That as a prophet of God, he knew that Satan was not going to give up ever, and so he prayed to the last breath that the Lord would strengthen him and help him to maintain his testimony. To me, that's a testimony that we need the Lord every single day, all day long, and that we need to pray diligently to him, right? Cry to him over the crops of your fields that you may prosper in them. Cry by your washer and dryer. Thank him that they're working in your dishwasher and your clothes. And um, pray. Ask the Lord to help lengthen out your items that you use every single day or the things that are heavy on your heart that you're worried about and whatever that is. For the saints crossing the... Um, the plains and the mountains, it was their shoes or their food. They needed their shoes to last or their wagons to last, you know? For us, what is it? What do we need? What are we worried about? We need to ask the Lord to help us, and he will help us. I promise you. Um, yeah, he says again, cry over the flocks of your fields that they may increase. At work, pray about the things you're working on. Pray, pray for your customers. Pray for um, the deals that you're making. Whatever kind of work you do, pray. Pour out your souls in your closets and your secret places and in your wildernesses everywhere. Yea, when you do not cry unto the Lord, when um, let your hearts be full drawn out in prayer unto him continually for your welfare and also for the welfare of those around you. And then it goes into 34, 32. We, wait, actually, let's go to the end of 34. 
38 through 40, but there's this one in 39, one sentence I want to talk to you about, and it's one that Elder Bednar, his whole talk was this title, and it was in the um, 2019 October, and it says, watchful, be watchful unto prayer continually. And I, he gave an analogy. Well, let's, let's finish that one. Okay. Be watchful unto prayer continually that ye may not be led away by the temptations of the devil, that he may not overpower you, that ye may not become his subjects of the last day. For behold, he rewardeth you no good thing. And so when Bernard gave the, was talking on this talk, he was talking about the cheetahs and I think it was the topa, topis or, um, but we're going to call them deer because that's what we have around here is deer. And so that's what I related in my mind. And so the deer are eating grazing in the fields together as a, as, a, as a herd. And the cheetahs were working in two. One would creep forward in the grass. You couldn't see him when one stood tall. And then when he got ahead, the other one would creep forward. And so they just slowly and steadily got near the herd of deer. But they did it in a way that the deer hardly noticed the increased closeness. And I feel like that's exactly, I mean, I know it's what his talk was about, was exactly how Satan works. He just creeps into our life so slowly, almost unnoticed, right? Just to where we're like, oh, we just feel so safe. But then they had this other deer up on the woods that was um, up on the hill that was watching, and he would give a warning sign that he saw these cheetahs nearby and they would scatter. But the cheetahs didn't give up. They just kept going. They just, they just went for a new thing and just kept creeping, just waiting for that one, probably waiting for that deer who didn't want to listen to the leader on top of the hill. Probably not one, the one who was like, you keep telling us to leave and I see nothing wrong. No one's being eaten, I'm fine, right? So I think Satan just waits for us to feel weak or to feel distracted or really, is this anything gonna happen, right? But what he tells us to do to avoid that is to pray continually so that we will not be led away by Satan's distractions. Continually, that's all the time, all, the time, all day long. And, the, and then it talks about why all this is so important. And, and this is key to this whole talk, this whole come follow me, everything that we're doing. This, this is key. 34, 32. For behold, this life is the time for men to prepare to meet God. Yea, behold, the day of this life is the day for men to perform their labors. That's why we're here. We are preparing to meet God. We are growing, we are developing, and we are getting ready for our eternal life with our Heavenly Father and our families. So it's so much bigger than we think it is, isn't it? And there's a lot of distractions. That's how, what it's meant to be, it's what Satan does. We have to pray continually. And then I love this in 34. All these seeds that you plant, whatever they are, whatever seeds you choose to grow in your garden, this is the kicker. You cannot say when ye are brought to that awful crisis that I will repent and I will return to my God. Nay, you cannot say this. For that same spirit which doth possess your bodies at the time that ye go out of this life, that same spirit will have power to possess your body in the eternal world. We are planting seeds of faith, hope. Uh, we talked about courage, um, long-suffering, patience, kindness, love, charity, all these things. We're planting these seeds these are things that we can take with us. These are characteristics that we are developing that are eternal characteristics. And it's the same thing if you choose to grow seeds of other sorts. If you allow discouragement, sadness, um, substances, immorality, any of those seeds that we plant that we allow to grow in our gardens, 
will be the seeds that we'll take with us. They'll become part of who we are because that's what we grew, right? So um, if you grow watermelon in your garden, you can't expect to get cantaloupes out of that. So we get to keep the rewards of, of the fruit of what we plant and what we nourished and what we develop. So another thing that I want you to know before I close is that the Lord is merciful. He loves us. The plan is a sure plan. He wants us to return home and he will do everything in his power to help us. And in 34.9, for it expedient that atonement should be made for according to the great plan of the eternal God, there must be an atonement made or else all mankind must unavoidably perish. Yea, all are hardened. Yea, all are fallen and all, all are lost and must perish except it be through the atonement, which is the expedient, which it is expedient should be made. And then it goes on in 10 to tell you it is an infinite and eternal sacrifice. And 15 and thus he shall bring salvation to all those who shall believe on his name. And this being the intent of this last sacrifice, to bring about the bowels of mercy, which overcometh justice. That is, um, Tad Callister gives an example of that is our parachute and the jumping out of the plane. That is, that is what breaks the law of justice. Justice is an eternal law. And mercy is the only thing that can um, save us from that. And bringeth about means unto men that they may have faith unto repentance. And thus, remember, repentance is our opportunity, opportunity to align our will with the Lord's. And thus, mercy can satisfy the demands of justice and encircle them in the arms of safety. Therefore, I'm, I'm not reading straight through, so if you're wondering, if you're reading along with us. So um, I'm skipping to the end of that verse, which is 16 now. Therefore, only unto him that has faith and repentance is brought about the great and eternal plan of redemption. Exercise, this is 17, exercise your faith and repentance that ye begin to call upon his holy name that he would have mercy upon you. Let's pray to him continually. Let's not be like the Zormites where we um, are doing things to become better than other people, that we push them out, that they don't have a place to worship the Lord. Instead, let's encircle them in the arm of Christ through our love, our acceptance, and our example, and help them to feel the same safety that we feel, and teach them through example to pray continually to our Heavenly Father, to nourish with the Word of God and with sunlight and light and joy and happiness the things that are good and fruitful, so that when they go to heaven, all those who are around you, when they go to heaven, they can take the characteristics with them that they want. When they get there, they can realize, wow, I have a garden of goodness, because I experimented upon the Word, because I desire to believe, and because I decided I wanted that light that shined. We can be that light. Let's not let our light be hidden. Let's not do it in the corner. And let's not do it under a bushel. Let's let our light so shine before man that they may see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. And then let's turn our hearts and minds to him and pray continually that those cheetahs will not get us. And I say this in the name of Jesus Christ, and I hope you come back next week for a little bit more fun of Come Follow Me. Mm -hmm.